Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. McGuire now joined by Keith Costco for the Monday edition of the Sports Cage. Looking very dapper, I Well, you look at it. a little look every now and then. The go team may make a reappearance. I'm looking pretty good for me. You don't do your own. I do not. But why does that not surprise me? In my defense, I mean, as a single dad, I had a baby boy at home, so I couldn't just say, hey, wait here, I'll go outside and shovel for an hour. So, and then after a couple years of that, I went, you know, I kind of like this. So, uh, yeah, my shoveling days are pretty much done. Those habits are hard to break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you didn't, Jake didn't want to bundle up and sit and watch dad shovel the driveway? Not particularly, no. He'd probably charge me for it, you know, lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hey, listen, I'm trying to think of like Pete doing manual labor and I just can't oh, visualize. Oh, yeah, it could be done. Uh, let's see. Factory work one summer. Uh, landscaping, well, that, that was some hard work, although great tan. Although, <laughs> in hindsight, maybe that wasn't the best idea. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. And after dabbling with that for a while, I went, yeah, no, you know, school's not so bad. And uh, getting a job where you don't have to lift heavy things and put them down, but you can go to the gym and do that, that seems to be the way to go. I don't think you do any of that either, though, do you? Lately? And let's just say the weights are a lot lighter than they used to be. <clears throat> our next guest is a very familiar voice to our airwaves here on the almighty 620 CKRM. She's been doing the pre and post game shows through last season and also a lot of the award-winning sideline reporting at the games at Mosaic Stadium. Mm-hmm. Daniela Ponticelli is one of the lead announcers for the Professional Women's Hockey League TV broadcasts and joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline now. Daniela, how's the move? How's your new home in Southern Ontario? Does it feel like home yet? <laughs> it's feeling a little bit more like it. Still a little strange at times uh, to not be in a prairie winter, but the fact is I got to walk along one of the great lakes today it's nine degrees so there's there's definite pros to this whole thing uh, but thanks for asking nine degrees i'm so jealous but you know one thing i learned in the winter that i spent out in southern ontario if it's like minus five in regina the snow might melt a little when you're in southern ontario you don't see snow melt at minus five it's a damp cold isn't it Absolutely. Yeah. We honestly, we could talk about this all afternoon because <laughs> I am learning all about that too, uh, too, um, too well. It's just a minus five year is not as advertised. It's not the minus five I've grown used to. So for the games that you're broadcasting with this professional women's hockey league, do you just do the games in Southern Ontario or are they sending you all over the place? Right now I'm covering Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal. 
Very cool. And so far, what do you think of the crowds? I know they did. Uh, they had the big crowd at the Scotiabank Arena the one night. What was that like? It was incredible. So I witnessed that game sort of from the stand. I was actually on my way to go calling a game in Ottawa the next day. So I was able to catch about half of it in person. I knew I had to be there for puck drop. I knew I had to be there to hear the roar of the crowd. I didn't get to be there live for that first goal at Scotiabank because that only came in the third period. But it's not only these mammoth crowds that are just awe-inspiring. It's every single crowd in this league. And I say that with all honesty, and I mean it, because it's the engagement that you feel. These people want to be there so badly. They're invested in every minute of the game, every second of the game. They are gasping when there's close uh, goals. They are, you know, getting after the refs if they don't like something. They are applauding and standing on their feet for phenomenal saves. And then, of course, when the goals come, they're up as well, cheering all of those big moments. But there's just every single thing, there's such an investment. And even just to see the crowd not leave as, you know, you start to get towards the end of the game, everyone's still in their seats. And they linger for a long time. The lineups for autographs from the players after the games sometimes wrap around, especially at TD Place Arena, I find in Ottawa, their fans love those autograph sessions after. And their team is hardly one at home, unfortunately. But they stick around and they just they soak in all of that goodness. And I, I can't say enough about it. And it really does rub off on you as a broadcaster because you just feel the sense of community. It's a very, um, very incredible experience and it's an amazing thing to witness. I enjoyed the one broadcast that I was watching, uh, Ottawa versus, I want to say it was Boston. And uh, that was the night that uh, the Prime Minister was politicking in the crowd, but it looked like a pretty cool vibe with everybody who was there. Our guest on the Western Pizza Hotline is Daniela Ponticelli. Perfect pizza with a generous amount of toppings, plus Greek food like sablaki, ribs, salads, all the goodness you can't make at home. Call Western Pizza today. Oh, man, folks, I wish we had some sort of video feed going. Brendan was rubbing his tummy as he was talking about Western Pizza. <laughs> Just about the cutest thing I've seen in a while. Hey, Danielle, it's Pete. Um, hey, Pete. Thanks for depressing me about the weather back home. Uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> After this many years, I've come to expect it. What I want to ask you about is, and just what you were just talking about, the fan support. I mean, for folks who don't know, this is a startup league. This is the first year people hoped the fans would come out in droves, but nobody knew if they would. What happened? Where are they coming from? Oh, I mean, that's, that's a great question. I'd love to dig even more into the demographics. The one anecdotal story that I love to share because I didn't expect it. I just happened to be in line at the airport, so I had finished a game at Madame Athletic Center, the old Maple Leaf Gardens, and I was on my way to Ottawa, and so I'm going through security. And, of course, you can kind of spot PWHL fans, right, folks who are wearing the gear, and then uh, a lot of the season ticket holders, actually only the season ticket holders, were gifted these beautiful PWHL Tukes, so they're very easy to spot. Like, oh, I know that you bought season tickets. So I was chatting with one of the women in line with me. Turns out they fly in from New Brunswick. They're season ticket holders in Toronto, but they didn't have a team that they had decided on. There isn't one in the Maritimes just yet. And they said, hey, you know what? It works out for our, our schedule and our budget and what we want to do to come to every single Toronto home game. And that's what they do. They fly in, they fly out. And I was just in awe, I even asked them, like, are you related at all? Because to me, that seems like something a family would commit to. Just big fans of the league and wanted to support this this thing that they have wanted to see for so long. 
And, you know, not everyone's going to have an epic story like that, but anyone who's buying a ticket and coming is supporting. The merch lines, by the way, for that Scotiabank game were just phenomenal. It was incredible to see. By the way, they're sold out for merch online, so really the only way to get it is what's in stock when you're at a venue. So it's just been such an enormous response. And, you know, you can, you can talk to the players, and they'll have a much different perspective, too, on all the people who've reached out to them and come and support them. And it's it's remarkable. We say Ryder fans are hardcore. It sounds like uh, they're taking it up another <laughs> level out there. Um, the naysayers, and, of course, there, there's so many of them, and, and you try to tune as many of them out as possible. But people said, oh, well, these they've rushed it too much. These teams don't even have names. Like, they're... The Toronto what? They don't have a name. It's terrible. This will never work. Clearly, that's not been a factor, but do you anticipate that coming in for year two? Uh, yeah, I believe that's public knowledge, so I'm not sharing anything that uh, is is not uh, already been discussed publicly. The names, the, the imagery, the branding, you know, everything that's associated with that is definitely incoming. The intention was certainly never to not have those names. It's just in the list of things... There were a priority, a CBA being uh, agreed upon before actually continuing as an, as a first-time league was huge. And they made history with that, right? The mm-hmm. first ever professional league to launch with a CBA in place, a ratified CBA. So there were certain things like that that were just way more important, and it made sense. And then, of course, it was immediate scheduling, getting players played, doing a draft, getting broadcast uh, agreements going. I'm just speaking purely as an outsider having seen the timeline. None of those things I was privy to, but that is how things sort of unfolded. So the names and the branding, well, it makes sense that you'd love to have all that in place. When you have 125 days to get six teams fully staffed, uh, GMs, head coaches, you know, you start to realize you're running, you don't have as much time to get things going when you want to get this professional product launched and, and out the door. And it certainly hasn't stopped fans from loving the team and supporting, as I said, with the merchandise. They've been able to sell a lot of merchandise, even without a, a team name. That's very cool. Brian Burke uh, really wanted to be the executive director of the Players Association. That's pretty cool, isn't it, for a startup like this? Oh, it's great. Yeah, he, I actually see him around quite often because his office is in the Players Association, which is based at Mattamy Athletic Center. So it's so wild to see, like, oh, there's Brian Burke working around. He is such a big proponent of this league and such a big supporter, and that's all I can say about it. Uh, you know, I can't really speak to what he wanted to do uh, in terms of roles, but he's definitely a big part of it and has been there for all the big moments as well. When uh, you mentioned the fans who fly in from New Brunswick, it made me think of another part of all this. Obviously, you don't need the size of crowds to have a franchise in this league that you do in the NHL. Do you ever sit and wonder and envision maybe a team playing in Saskatchewan one day, Regina or Saskatoon? (laughs) I think the sky's the limit, honestly. And Saskatchewan, the one thing I will say... The, there is such an incredible infrastructure of female minor hockey. And I'm going to say especially in Saskatoon, but please, folks, correct me if I'm wrong. I know there's great programs in southern Sask as well. I'm not trying to take away from that. But Saskatoon, I know, has a huge ecosystem building around there. Prince Albert as well has been a big feeder. And those are just 
sort of the highlights, but there's plenty of clubs across the province. And what's neat about that is knowing, okay, if they do become feeders for the PWHL, are we going to see some more investment in women's hockey, female hockey in the province, so on and so forth? And then potentially, you know, could it be a place for that? I think there will be a lot of, uh, there's always lots of considerations at play. Travel is a big one. I mean, there's only one team, Minnesota, right now that's outside of the Eastern time zone and kind of outside of being very close to the other locations. So I think this league is smart enough to make those decisions on expansion wise. Selfishly, I would love a Saskatchewan team. Are you kidding me? I would love that. It would be so great to see. And there's uh, some really great staff talent. I love to shout them out. Uh, and I might be missing a few, but Caitlin Willoughby, PWHL Toronto, Brooke Hobson with New York. Those two are from Prince Albert, came up the Prince Albert program. Sophie Shirley, of course, and Emily Clark from Saskatoon. Those are two big names. Um, Shirley, unfortunately, just dealing with an injury right now. So you might not see her play. Um, just for a couple games, but it is really incredible to know that already in this brand new league, there's representation from Saskatchewan. Who are, who are some of the stars emerging in the league for those of us who haven't seen a whole lot of action and aren't super familiar with the league just yet? I think that's kind of the nice thing is from where I sit, I get to tell a lot of these stories as part of the broadcast. So I, I love to talk about these players and we're seeing just the stars kind of, Every every week, there's there's new people kind of stepping into the forefront. I'm going to shine a light quickly on Claire Dalton, a Toronto player who plays for Montreal. She just came off a, a hat-trick game in Montreal. And what's so cool about her story, she was nine when Marie-Philippe Poulin scored, or earned rather, her first Olympic gold medal, 2010 Vancouver. Remember that? Well, sure enough, now Dalton's playing on a line with Poulin, and that's what helped her get that hat-trick. And it's just it's those kind of really cool moments, and so she's emerging as one of the stars. But Alex Carpenter, she's been an incredible star for, the, for Team USA, and she's so young. She's in her 20s, and she's leading the league 15 points in 12 games, and she scores in clutch moments. Game winners, uh, shorthanded goals, of course, with the jailbreak rule, those are so huge in this league, meaning you score a shorthanded goal and your your teammate is freed from the penalty box. Uh, Poulin, of course, <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't say she's an emerging star. She has set the tone, right? She, we kind of expected she would be one, and she's lived up to that 12 points in 13 games. Natalie Spooner for Canada. I will just note, like, internationally, there's so many international players in this league from Hungary, Japan, Finland, Sweden, Czechia, Japan, I mentioned Japan maybe already, sorry. But from Switzerland, Alina Mueller, she's on PWHL Boston. She's always one to watch. She's leading the league in assists with eight right now. And what's cool about her story, she was the youngest woman to win an Olympic ice hockey medal. She was 15 when she won bronze with Team Switzerland in Sochi. So people who maybe never even thought, hey, maybe one day I could play professionally in the United States or in North America – suddenly having a chance to do just that and performing as well, meeting that expectation. I know I'm probably leaving some folks out and there's so many great stars. I find with Toronto because I call most of their games, Emma Malte is always one to watch. Uh, She's from Burlington. So she's a local girl and she just has so much energy and she's fun to watch. She delivers really big hits. There's Lexia Geo with Ottawa as well. So lots of really great players. And I'm going to kind of focus it more on Canada, but even even the American stars are just, I, you're just seeing great skill. And that skill has always been there. And now there's a, a bigger platform. 
I don't think I'm uh, I'm telling you any secrets here when I say uh, one one of the ideas behind the league is to further grow the game of women's hockey and to give young female players somebody to look up to, somebody to emulate. I mean, a young me, a thousand or so years ago, looked up to a bunch of Toronto Maple Leafs, and when I'd get within mm-hmm. you know ten yards of one. I'd, I'd be a total fanboy, starstruck, could barely speak. <laughs> Are you seeing that yeah. with young female players when they meet their new idols? Absolutely. Uh, lots of young girls in the crowd. What players have noted, though, is that they're, for the first time, having lots of young boys, too. Scotia Bank was such a great example of that. The lineup wasn't just little girls. It was everybody, and they were all excited to see Natalie Spooner and Sarah Nurse and, and kind of just enjoying the stars of hockey, right? That's, that's kind of the biggest part of it, is that it's not just a one or the other, but in terms of representation, that is completely part of it. See her, be her, that's the slogan. And why not? Because it's also not only just representation, it's knowing you have a future. It's knowing that if I really keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and maybe I get Division One and NCAA, or maybe I do you sports and then go play overseas for a bit. Maybe I can carve a path out to get to the PWHL. This opened up tremendous opportunities for prep schools and other programs that help grow and develop women's hockey. You know, this, this becomes a really, really big, much bigger ripple effect than I think anyone could have originally thought of, right? It's not even just the players. It's all of it. I don't know. When I, when I talk about it, I get so passionate because it's it's just so exciting. It's like, why wasn't this here before? Well, things needed to happen the way that they did to allow it to open up in 2024. And Pete, just back to your what the naysayers say, I just loved seeing the stats even from game one, day one, 2.9 million people watching that game. Nice. That's what I was just going to so, say. I think the CFL yeah. would be happy to have those kind of numbers while even the NHL. Exactly, right? And, and it's because of the great product on the ice and, of course, the phenomenal broadcast talent that's putting this <laughs> that on. so kind. Where, where can uh, people, where do we find these broadcasts? Well, the broadcast, what's great is uh, the easiest thing to do, honestly, is look at the PWHL site. I know it's a step that not everyone wants to do, but the schedule on there will actually tell you where all the games are being broadcast because the rights are split between a number of different broadcasters, right? So not every game is going to be on TSN, but then it might be on Sportsnet or it could be on CBC. And it's on linear television uh, likely streamed, but every single game, every single one is streamed on the PWHL YouTube channel as well. They're trying to make this as accessible as possible, but if you'd like to see it on your TV as you would any other game, just hit up the schedule. It will tell you exactly where you got to check out, whether it's TSN, Sportsnet, or CBC. We look forward to seeing how Season 1, the rest of it, unfolds. Daniela Ponticelli, thank you for this, and enjoy the rest of the season. Thank you so much for having me on. That is Daniela Ponticelli, formerly of Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Arizona Coyotes are going, what, people go to hockey games? <laughs> they would they love to have those. No they, kidding. The, some of those attendance numbers and some of those. 18,000, yeah, that's a good week for them. Still ahead on this edition of the program, the Bob McCowan. You are listening to The Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM.